Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. God's Word this morning from 1 Peter chapter 3. And I have to say that when I decided that 1 Peter was going to be our next book, I had not fully reckoned with 1 Peter chapter 3. And the fact that it starts by one of the more confusing verses in the Bible in the discussion of wives and husbands. We talked about that last week. So if you weren't here last week, you can, you'll have to ask me about that or go and uh, listen to it uh, from last week. But then I had totally forgotten that it also ends with one of the most confusing verses in the Bible, uh, where we get talk of, we, we go from this like great talk of like, do this and live in a way that loves other people. And yes, Jesus died for us. And then all of a sudden, We've got Jesus preaching to spirits in prison in the days of Noah. And you're like, what, Noah, Ark, where did we get, how did we get here? So here's what I want you to listen to as, as I read this. We will talk about that. I won't just ignore it, just mostly, but I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, so uh, if you want more detail on that, that's the kind of thing we talk about in Sunday school. Uh, so the, you can talk to people who are at Sunday school this morning. I'm sure they figured it all out and have all the answers. Uh, but what I want you to listen for here is what, what is the motivation? What, what is the big point here? Why, where, where is Peter going with this? Even as you, as you listen to that, don't, don't get too confused about asking what are spirits in prison, but do ask the question, like, where did Noah come from? Why, why is Peter talking about this? And what does that mean for us today? And how does this fit with what Peter has just been saying? Because if you haven't been here the past couple of weeks, what Peter has just been telling us is what it means to live for God in a world that is not centered around God. And in relationships where you frequently do not have power, where you are often suffering, not necessarily, this was not necessarily, not likely to be honest, written in a time of intense persecution where Christians were actually being killed all the time. That would happen a little bit later. This was likely happening in a time that was actually a lot like parts of our culture today, where you were not being killed for being a Christian, but it wasn't necessarily pleasant all the time either. And you might well be mocked for being a Christian, and you might well miss out on some opportunities and be mistreated in certain ways. And so it has a lot for us to say. Peter's just talked about what it means to submit to governing authorities, what it means to, oh, Brian, it's right there. There it is. <laughs> what it means to submit to governing authorities, what it means to submit to unjust masters or bosses, what it means to suffer and serve one another in a marriage context. And now Peter speaks to all of us, what does this look like in general, and how, what does Christ mean for us in this? So listen now as I read from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 22. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. 
Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior, behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that be God, should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal from dirt of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your word that was written down by your servant Peter so long ago and given to your people back then. We thank you that it was preserved for us today, that it might be your word for us today too. We pray now that as we reflect on it together, you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that this would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have to tell you this morning that some of you all are crazy. And you might say, actually, most of us are crazy. We all have our own brand of crazy, as a friend of mine used to say. But the ones, the crazy ones in particular that I have in mind this morning are those of you whose job is to crawl into a small steel tube and go through the ocean. Now, maybe it's not steel anymore. I don't know the details. They're probably classified anyway. But... But right, some of you do this, and if, if you don't, if you didn't pick up on that, we're talking about people who go in submarines, and, and you go in this small steel tube down into the depths of the ocean. I don't know how deep again. They won't tell me. Shocking. <laughs> but, but still you go. What happens in there, though? What would happen if you just tried to swim in the depths of the ocean? You wouldn't last very long, right? You, wouldn't, you, would, you, would, you would run out of air, and you would be crushed. What happens if, if water gets into that steel tube when you're down at the bottom of the ocean? That's real bad, is my understanding. Real, real bad. But you don't, right? You come through it. Those walls are strong. They bring you through safely. What's going on in 1 Peter chapter 3? Peter is pointing us to the one who has passed through the oceans. We don't really have, we, there was only one ark, like he talks about with Noah, but we do have submarines. But you kind of get the same picture, the ark coming through the rainstorm and the flood, bearing people through way back in the days of Noah. The submarines passing through the depth, bringing their crew back safely to where they're going. And what Peter is telling us today is that Christ has gone through the depths for us. And that Christ gives us the assurance really better than any submarine's walls. We certainly hope none of those submarines break, but someday they might. They're human engineering. I'm sorry. Yeah. We, we're, we're hoping that. They're pretty sure. They take good care of that in human terms. But even more sure is that Christ has passed through the depths for us. So what it's saying, what, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm tempted to just ignore the part at the end, but we can't because this is really the meat of it. 
This is what he tells us starting in verse 18. Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Christ went down into the depths. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit to carry us through like Noah was carried through the, in the ark. That's what he says. Then where did he end up? Appealed to God. Verse 21, I'm skipping through some words. We'll come back to them. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven. Christ has passed through the depths. He has passed through the storms. And he carries us through with all security. Christ passed through death to go to the right hand of God for us, to carry us through. That's what 1 Peter 3 is telling us today, that Christ is carrying us absolutely secure. Surrounded by Christ, we can pass through the depths of sin. We can pass through the storms of this world and be ultimately untouched because he is carrying us sure. So what does that do for us? What that does for us is it makes us able to do all these other things. You might have, there's two kind of thing, ways you could have reacted as we were reading through this. One is to hear the weird stuff about spheres in prison and be like, what's going on? But the other one is to hear all the commands and say, I don't know if I can do this. Peter just threw down a whole bunch of very difficult to carry out commands. Did you catch that as we were reading through? All of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, humble mind. These are not easy things. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. Bless when you are cursed. Bless when people do evil to you. Be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you with gentleness and respect. Not easy. Not easy at all. When you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may put to shame for it is better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So, so Peter has put a whole lot of things that we are supposed to do. And if we just try to do them on our own, it's as if we are trying to swim through the depths of the ocean. It is not going to work. But what it does for us when we realize that the main truth here is that Christ has passed through those depths for us and is carrying with carrying us with him, we start to be able to do these things, not in our own strength, but in the strength of Christ who carries us. What does that look like to sum that all up? Say to do all these things is we serve without fear. Fear is what comes in here. It was there specifically, again, in, uh, where'd it go? Oh yeah, verse 14, have no fear of them, nor be troubled but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. As we set our hearts on Christ, we can serve without fear. And all these things start to fall into place. And we start to do things and go places that we never thought would be possible because we've set Christ as holy and he is carrying us through to serve without fear. So to see more what that looks like, how that plays out in our lives, we have to see more of what it means for us that Christ passed through the depths to bring us to glory, to go to glory himself and take us there himself. There's three aspects of it here, of, of Christ's work for us that enables us to serve without fear. The first is that Christ gives us the spirit. The second is that Christ dealt with our sin. And the third is that Christ frees us from self-protection. 
Christ gives us the spirit, Christ dealt with our sin, and Christ frees us from self-protection. First, Christ gives us the spirit because, because I know you, you want to know about these spirits. And so this, this does take us, this really does come from these verses 18, 19, and 20. Listen to it carefully. Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. All right, so people get really confused by this verse. I think I once read that there are like 18 major theories about what this means. If you just go to Wikipedia and look up spirits in prison, you'll find a solid five there, all right? Five different ideas. But here's the thing, so much of it gets caught up on what are spirits in prison and what connection do they have to Noah? And really, wherever you go with this, it gets really weird, really fast. And, and you get to a lot of things that you're like, there's nothing about this anywhere else in the Bible. And so I just don't, I don't feel it. Here's where I think the focus is. It's on Christ, but made alive in the Spirit. What Peter is saying here is that Christ has always been alive in the Spirit. When, and this is not just me. This is other people think this too. When, when was, when, how did Christ go and preach in the days of Noah, to the spirits in, in the days of Noah, the people in the days of Noah? Through Noah. Through Noah, whom the Bible elsewhere says was a preacher of righteousness. Christ was speaking through his spirit. Why does this make sense? It actually makes sense from 1 Peter itself. Because 1 Peter already said earlier in the letter, he talked back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. What is Peter saying here? He's saying that all throughout the Old Testament, before Christ came, Christ was preaching through his Spirit, through his Spirit, through his prophets. That's how this works. It's about Christ preaching through the Spirit. And what that means is that is actually not just a confusing verse of the Bible. That is exceedingly good news for us. Because that same Spirit that was at present was present with the prophets is the same Spirit that Christ has given us today. That as He has returned to be at the right hand of the throne of God, He has given us His Spirit. And so we can truly say that Christ is here among us by the power of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is here among us, teaching and preaching and guiding us and telling us that we ought to follow Christ, that we ought to obey him, and that he has paid the price for our sins, that he has given us the power to be different. I've used this, I've used this illustration before, but it's, it's a good one, so I'll come back to it, and I think it's been a while. Do you know, do you know the difference between Batman and Superman? Anybody know the difference between Batman and Superman? Here's the difference. Batman has a lot of cool toys. Batman's just a rich dude with a lot of cool toys that let him do cool stuff. Superman is a different person. Superman has the power in himself. And when we come into Christ, when we come into his family, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not mere Batman. Not just him giving us a bunch of tools if we can figure out how to use them. 
but we're made supermen. We are given the power of the Spirit within us to actually be different. That is good news. How can we make a defense to anyone who asks for you for a reason for the hope that is in you with gentleness and respect? By the power of the Spirit. How can we bless those who do evil to us? By the power of the Spirit. How can we forgive those who have hurt us? By the power of the Spirit. The really, really good news here is that Christ in passing through and going to the heavens sent us the Spirit to be present with us. It changes everything. So Christ gives us the Spirit. The second thing here is that Christ dealt with our sin. He dealt with it. He didn't just tell us to do something about it. He didn't tell us just to work harder or to do better. He dealt with our sins. That's what verse 18 says. Christ also suffered once for sins. Now, Peter doesn't say the whole phrase here, but I think what he's implying when he says Christ also suffered once for sins is that he suffered for sins once for all. It says that other places in the scriptures, Christ suffered for sins once for all, one sacrifice for all time, that our sins would truly be dealt with. Not just trying to do better, not just trying to make it right, not just sins in the past, but also sins in the future, that they are dealt with. They are forgiven fully and completely. They are taken away. The punishment for them is taken away by the death of Christ. The power of them is taken away by the freedom through the Spirit. And that's what we need. Sin is such a burden. The guilt of our sin, the shame of our sin, we're bound down by it so that we can hardly move sometimes. And what we need is not platitudes. What we need is action, something that really deals with our sins. A number of years ago now, because it doesn't seem that long ago, but it's been a while, uh, many of you know that I tore the patellar tendon on my knee. I was teaching some counselors to high jump. And I went to jump and uh, I fell flat on my back on the mat with a torn patellar tendon. The patellar tendon in your knee is the tendon that connects your kneecap to your, to your shin, to your tibia. It controls a whole lot of things. And so the funny thing about it is it wasn't actually that painful. Like it was, a, it felt like a bang, but then, but then I was just laying there on my back. So my, the counselors who were with me, they helped me to the car, they took me to urgent care. And I'm sitting there in a wheelchair in urgent care and they're like, all right, move, move your leg so we can see what's going on here. And I'm sitting there with my knee, and I'm like, I, I can't. Not like, not like I hurt it, not like it hurts or I got to put pressure on it. Like literally, I cannot. There is no longer, because when that tendon snaps, that's what controls it. You cannot move your, your lower leg. It just, you just can't. And that's time, time to stop. All right, we'll stop there. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll stop there. Suzanne loves medical pictures. So I think the doctor offered her a picture of that and she, uh, she declined. But, uh, but that's how we are caught by sin. It's not just that we have to work harder. It's not just if we get a little stronger, swim a little better, that we can make it through, spin a few more plates up in the air. We cannot move our legs. We need something real and tangible to happen. What did I need for me to be able to move my knee again? I need a surgeon to go in there and reattach that tendon and make my leg move again. And that's exactly what they did. And that's what Christ does for us. When he actually dealt with our sin through his death on the cross, that he did not deserve to die in any way, shape, or form, 
But he took that punishment and he, with his resurrection from the dead, as Peter is emphasizing here, he destroyed the power of sin forever that we could really live. And then what that does for us as we put our faith in his dealing with our sin is that Christ frees us from self-protection. I said earlier that you could sum a lot of this up by saying serve without fear. Another big part of that, where does this fear come from? For the most part, the fear is coming from self-protection. It's the theme behind a lot of the things going on here. Do not repay evil for evil. Why do we repay evil for evil? To protect ourselves. Why is it hard when people make fun of us, when people revile us? It's because we're trying to protect our image. We want everybody to think well of us. The good news here is that Peter says, you know, let's be real. Most of the time, doing good is good. You don't really get in trouble most of the time for doing good. He said that straight up in verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Most of the time. But sometimes you do. And that's really scary that sometimes you're going to get in trouble for doing good. People are not going to like it when you refuse to gossip, when you insist on integrity, when you want to do the right thing at work or amongst your friends and you don't want to do the wrong thing. People aren't always going to like that. And that gets at our sense of self because we want people to like us. We want people to like us. We want to look good. And so we tend to cover up our sin. We want to hide it away so nobody sees it, so they think well of us. When we grasp the power of the Spirit, and when we grasp that Christ has really dealt with our sin, then we are free from that sense of self-protection. And we can start to glide through this world. It doesn't really mean that everything gets easy. The storms are still there. We're still passing through deep water, but we are well protected by walls that will never fail. Last week, uh, if, if you were here last week, I talked about the great chess match of Harry Potter from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone when, when Ron made a great sacrifice in a, in, a, in a game of wizard chess to spring Harry through. Well, that was part of a larger situation in which Ron and Harry were, were going through this maze of puzzles, basically. And they were going through the maze of puzzles to protect. It's complicated if you haven't read the story, but to, to get to the goal, right? To keep the stone from the bad guy, from the evil Lord Voldemort. They were going to get it. And they're going through this maze of puzzles. And it feels a lot of times like our life, these commands that we get in 1 Peter 3 sometimes feel like a maze of puzzles. Do this, do that, do this, do this, then this. But here's the thing. When, Ron and Harry, when Harry, at the end, after Ron made his sacrifice, get through to the end of all the puzzles, bad guy's waiting there for him. The bad guy's already at the end. Voldemort's there, and Harry's only a boy. And Voldemort's an evil wizard. And you know what happens there? What is the thing that protects Harry at the end when he gets through all the puzzles? He wasn't getting through the puzzles. At the end of the day, the evil wizard goes for him and he goes to touch him and he can't do it. Harry's skin burns him, burns the evil wizard. Why? Because his mother had died for him. His mother had given her life to try to protect Harry years before. Why do we pass through this life untouched? Because even as we come face to face with evil in all its forms, Jesus gave his life for us. And by his sacrifice, we cannot be touched by evil as we put our faith in him. Why does that show up in Harry Potter? Why does that show up in so much of our literature? Because it's true. 
because it's real. This is not about, it's not really about, oh, isn't Harry Potter so great? It's about the reality that is behind that and so many other great works of literature because what, of what God wove into the fabric of our human story, that by the sacrifice of Jesus, he has freed us to serve without fear. And we can go through this life. We can serve and suffer and sacrifice, not caring about how we are attacked, not relying on our self-protection to take care of ourselves, but trusting in Jesus to carry us through. He will take us through to glory. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all the hope that you give us. We thank you for the confidence in Jesus' sacrifice for us. That by his blood, by his death and resurrection, he has made us untouchable and will carry us through to glory through all the storms of this life. Would you help us to understand that more and more each day, to keep our faith and hope in him and in him alone. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.